Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today we're joined by Carrie Francis, founder of the Stars Hollow Shop, where you can find things like the Gilmore Girls planner and more. She's also an actor and singer, and you may recognize her from her role in Sally in Knives Out, or as Michelle in the current season of Poker Face. And thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for having me. I'm excited to be here at Gilmore Girls <laughs> Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we often start out, well, we always start out our episodes with a talking fast segment where we attempt to yeah. recap the episode in 30 seconds. Obviously, we're not doing that today, but we did want to do maybe a rapid fire questions where we'll time just 60 seconds and see how many questions you can answer in that time. Oh, love it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's like a game. It's not necessarily trivia, more so your Mm -hmm. preferences between the, like, you know, options we'll list. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Let's see if I can get a little wordy. So let's see if I can keep it simple. (laughs) Simple answers. Yes. We'll definitely allow you to expand and elaborate after. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready when you guys are. Okay. Are you ready, Carrie? I am so ready. Okay. Pick one favorite. Rory, Lorelai, or Emily? Lorelai. Pick another favorite. Dean, Jess, or Logan? Oh, Jess. Pick another favorite. Max, Christopher, or Luke? Max, Christopher, or Luke? Oi. Christopher. Controversial. (laughs) Fall, winter, spring, or summer in Stars Hollow? I would have to say fall in Stars Hollow. Favorite Stars Hollow town member? Oh, uh, Babette. Independence Inn or Dragonfly? Dragonfly. Double date with Suki and Jackson or Paris and Doyle? (laughs) Suki and Jackson. Who do you want cooking dinner, Luke or Suki? Suki. Who's more intimidating, Emily or Mrs. Kim? Mrs. Kim. (laughs) Chilton or Yale? Chilton. Original series or a year in the life? Original. One minute. <laughs> Perfect. We did it. <laughs> oh my we gosh. got through a lot. I have to ask a follow-up question about Christopher. I feel like that's <laughs> going to be one of the most controversial answers that you had. <laughs> yes. Um, you say it was, it was Max, Christopher, or Luke, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that Christopher embodies more of um someone who is just really in love with and enamored by Lorelai so by their partner and makes a great living and like is you know not only making great living is wealthy and you know interested in travel and yeah has some old parent trauma some parent issues that he probably needs to go to therapy for doesn't always express himself clearly but in general is really like as an adult version of him, not the younger Christopher, calm and tentative, you know, not tentative, um, tending to and just like, you know, supportive to Lorelai. I think they didn't work together, but I don't think that makes him a bad partner. Whereas I think with Max is the relationship she had to like learn from initially. And I think, again, probably a great guy, but just not I don't know. I found him a little, a little too intelligent, a little too informative, a little too, I know what's best for you. Um, and then with Luke, obviously a great guy, but it takes him forever and a day to make a move. He can like lose his temper. He's very much in charge of like, he thinks he should have all the control and the power and doesn't communicate well. And so a lot of those things cross over with Christopher, but he is not in the same wealth bracket. Doesn't seem to ever leave his small town. Um, you know, and doesn't really fight as much, I think, for what he wants. I think he's more um, quick to give up and give in and just say, like, all right, well, I'm just going with my head over my heart. Mm -hmm. At least Christopher goes for things passionately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely see, like, with the April storyline, Luke, like, just falls into, like, kind of decision paralysis, I guess, like, where he's so overwhelmed by everything that he doesn't make any decisions and that impacts his relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. true. Like Christopher oh, does does actually like <laughs> say what he wants when he wants it. <laughs> Even though mm-hmm. maybe yeah. in season one when he asked Lorelai to marry him that very first time, it's a little bit preemptive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, Lorelai and Christopher are also soulmates 
in the way that Luke and Lorelai are. I think you can have more than one soulmate. And I think mm-hmm. that they really helped each other grow through the first, you know, two decades of like being an adult and that they really needed each other to continually play off. One was doing well, one wasn't. One was pushing, one wasn't. One wanted to be. So I think that a lot of times people have that relationship. I've had that relationship and a lot of people I know that have had that relationship. And I think if you can kind of honor that like friendship and keep it going. And honestly, like the parallels, he had a daughter as well. He didn't keep the daughter a secret. Like he involved Lorelai. So I just think Luke has way more issues and we all like to romanticize him because he's dreamy <laughs> has the coffee. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> we are about mid-season three in our recaps at the moment. So we have been fairly critical of Christopher recently because we went through the whole they're going to be together at the wedding and then you find out about Sherry being pregnant, things like that. But I will be really curious to see how our opinions shift Mm -hmm. as we get into the later seasons particularly because Luke is kind of like almost at his best I think in the earlier seasons Mm -hmm. as well so we've been kind of partial to him um and then the last thing that you had me thinking about with Luke and Lorelai I mean sorry Christopher and Lorelai as soulmates I think the logic of the show even fits that because they're they are very interested in circular like the circularity of their lives with like how a year in the life ends, like, oh, we were following in Lorelai's footsteps. So like Lorelai always going back to Christopher in some way, if it's as like a friend or a lover or whatever. I, yeah, I think the show is interested in that kind of soulmate idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Lorelai and Rory are soulmates, you know, there's, there's a lot of soulmate storylines. I think if you start to look at it that way, yeah. you know, if you watch it 8 billion times at some point, you're like <laughs> psychologically analyzing that. <laughs> it's the truth. Yes. <laughs> and I also wanted to ask, not to make it all about the guys, we'll have other questions as well. <laughs> but while we're on the topic, you did, I believe, pick Jess of Dean and Logan. How, how do you feel about the boyfriends, I guess? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Okay, watching it initially, I remember thinking Dean was the end-all be-all, so like, <laughs> swoony with his long hair yeah and... the floppy 90s boy hair <laughs> oh my gosh yeah and just the way he treated Rory and everyone wanted that boyfriend when you're like 14 15 16 as an adult I'm like red flags everywhere Dean you have some things you need to like look at just a lot of lack of accountability mm-hmm. and making impulsive decisions that affect other people's lives and getting married so young which clearly was a, a rebound situation from worry and again just lack of communication lack of understanding empathy and listen it's a tv show but also if it was a real person they probably would do that in their in their youth and so it does kind of line up with what that type of character would be but i that was not my favorite and then um i go back and forth between jess and logan jess is more to me um jess i think loves more in a way that no one else does. Um, and I think that, again, a lot of parallels with the soulmate relationships. They definitely were in each other's lives to grow each other in certain ways. I think that he goes out and tries to make something of himself because of Rory and then hopes to come back to her. And I think in a way, she's also looking to impress him, especially in those later seasons where he does the book. And, you know, she can't believe he's a published author before her. And I think there's a lot of push and pull in that relationship. But overall, Jess is sensitive. He's artistic. He reads. You know, he can quote really good books. And he has a sense of independence. He can be by himself. And he's not in a codependent, unhealthy place. He just doesn't have what society would say is important, like a solid place he lives or a solid income. Or, (laughs) you know, maybe he's had a little bit of trouble in his past versus Logan. Logan is more like Christopher, right? He comes from wealth and he's obviously going to have a great career and he's going to travel and he's going to have this whole big full life. And Rory would probably pair nicely with that and probably be able to like not work and just like write and kind of be taken care of almost in a mimicking way where she was codependent with her mom. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the reason Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out with Logan is because she would be repeating the codependent cycle and I think somewhere internally is trying to not just continue the same relationship she has with her mom into her Mm. future partner so Jess all the way I think Jess makes something of himself and I think Logan implodes (laughs) 
Mm. Yeah. That's super interesting to think of Logan and Rory as Rory potentially getting another codependent relationship like she had with Lorelai because I often hear people compare Logan and Rory to Lorelai and Christopher and I've always kind of thought of them as like an Emily and Richard pairing personally Uh, but I like the idea of like the mirroring a Lorelai relationship. Yeah, yeah. I think as a whole, Rory gets like a lot of hate. It's like very trendy to hate on Rory. <laughs> mm. um, Rory had a codependent enmeshed relationship in a small town where she was from day one, essentially there to be an entire family for her mom and support her mom and, you know, mirror and, and emulate her mom and in a community where everyone knew her and knew them and put them together as like one unit. She was never really a separate person if you've actually ever studied like codependency or enmeshment or it's a topic of interest or it's something you've experienced it's like incredibly traumatic and it's incredibly impinging on who you become as a human as is often being in a small town or being associated as just a member of a family like a family that everyone knows you you're an extension then of your parent versus being an individual human being Mm -hmm. so I think that If we look at it from that lens, we can have a little bit more empathy and grace for Rory and see that she never learned how to make decisions. She never learned how to be an independent person. She just learned how to be enmeshed with Lorelai and the untangling of that is really messy. So that's why I think Mm -hmm. in the end, she realized she couldn't marry Logan. I think she didn't consciously realize that, but subconsciously, I think that's what was going on. If Amy, like Sherman Palladino and I could sit down and (laughs) talk about this, I'd appreciate it. But that's my theory on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that we've been talking a lot about Rory and like um, her kind of preoccupation with being liked by everybody. And I think that does come down a lot to her relationship with Lorelai and how they're like part of the town, like the town is always watching them kind of. It's kind of <laughs> um, impossible for them to really just live completely uninhibited because the town is always kind of judging or watching or like wondering who they're dating kind of following up on that and obviously part of that is because the show is about them so that's what we're seeing but like Rory when she broke up with Dean she was so worried about how people wouldn't like her or like had heard seen the public breakup and stuff like that more than the fact that she had been treating Dean so terribly for such yeah. a long time and that yeah that really tracks I think with the relationship she had with Lorelai who like yeah, instigates that as well <laughs> yeah for sure mm-hmm. high achieving high achieving really big fish in a very small pond and it's something that I know you know I grew up in an incredibly small town we have a gazebo we have nice. a little pond <laughs> like it basically is stars hollow and <laughs> everyone uh knows everyone and I came back during the during the pandemic. And so there's a lot of uh, we joke a lot. We call it like, you know, hometown movie star. Carrie is like what my friends and family nice. will call it, because now obviously the conversations are about what am I up to in my career? And like, oh, like you're mm-hmm. back, you know, but I can't walk down my street without running into someone. And I was incredibly high achieving as a child. And um, that kind of pressure is unbelievable. And if you don't you know, eventually go to therapy or unpack it or know what to do with it. That's just what you do your whole life. You're just achieve, achieve, achieve versus learning how to have balance and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy your life. So I, I think maybe I'm a little biased. I've got a little, a little <laughs> extra uh, love for Rory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it. I know what you mean. I've been totally on like, I've gone through the whole cycle where I loved Rory. No, no criticism at all. Then I kind of joined on the trend of like, oh yeah, a hater. And now I'm back to, I I support her. I like her. And I mean, I just think ultimately she's such a complex character Mm -hmm. and it's so much of the story of her growing up. And um, I don't know, I can like her, but then also kind of be like, oh, she's such, she's got golden child syndrome, you know, like she's the pressure of the role she takes on. And yeah, I think it's really fascinating. That's why we talk about it so much. (laughs) And we always seem to forget that like, for mo- for all of the season, Rory is between what fifteen and twenty two, and to like ask for somebody in that age range to make great decisions mm-hmm. all of the time and to be like fully emotionally mature is just 
unrealistic. So yeah, your frontal cortex yeah. isn't even fully developed. You <laughs> yeah. know, she's doing the best she can. So yeah, yeah I definitely, yeah. I definitely uh, feel that. I also know that you guys have talked about this in the show, but from my own personal curiosity, which team do you guys land on at this moment mm-hmm. in time? I'm a team Logan fan myself. I'm team Jess. Okay, all right. <laughs> Even though Very like good. the part we're at right now, Jess is starting to kind of act a fool in his relationship with bad Rory. Boyfriend. Yeah. But I love his character development yeah. and his bad boy mm-hmm. persona. So <laughs> Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much team Jess for now because it's gonna take us a while to get to recaps where Logan is around. Mm-hmm. So I'm kinda <laughs> just putting that part of myself on hold, though I do bring it up occasionally. Like, oh, this makes me think of season six or the revival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that. So now that we have broken down the prefer the boyfriend preferences, which I guess is a big deal. <laughs> Important. <laughs> we wanted to just ask you uh, how you got into Gilmore Girls, what was your first experience watching the show, and how did you get to the level of fandom that you're at now? Oh my god, that's amazing. I've never had that word used about me, but probably true. <laughs> um, I remember watching it when it was on actual TV. Like mm-hmm. I, I know I didn't watch it like all the time, but I remember it being on, especially the later episodes. Like That was like the show that we put on on whatever day it was on at whatever time it was on. Like that was like one of those shows. Um, And then I, it wasn't like a big, it wasn't, I wouldn't have said it was my favorite show. I think there were other shows that like affected me more as a child or teenager, especially because of what I was already pursuing with acting. Um, And right after college, um, like right after I booked a really big Broadway tour. Mm -hmm. And so that means living in hotels and airplanes for, you know, the contract was, for uh, 18 months and (laughs) it was like an amazing job. And so um, I had my laptop with me that still had a um, DVD player. (laughs) Old school. In it. Yeah. Um, It was like one of the white Mac books. Um, And I lugged that baby everywhere. And I had, I want to say one of the like DVD sets, probably the first season in my travel stuff with me. And I think I just started like watching it, you know, if I didn't want to go out one night, there was essentially parties every night, every place we got to would host <laughs> something and everywhere you went would like treat you, you know, amazingly. But it gets to the point where you're like, okay, but like, I have to like take care of my body and my health mm-hmm. and my mental state. And you don't want to be with the people every single second. And so mm-hmm. I would, you know, put on an episode. I think it really kicked in after that I moved to New York. I didn't have cable. I didn't have Netflix. Like I didn't have anything at that point. It, like I just had the box sets, the DVD box sets. And by then I had all seven and I would just watch them like straight through. And I think it became a coping mechanism for living in a place that was not really a good fit for me. It was, I'm just too sensitive um, to live Mm. in an environment, especially then um, where I didn't have any tools in my own toolbox to navigate that or understand how to deal with my own feelings or what it's like to be an empath in the middle of New York city. And, um, (laughs) and so I would watch Gilmore Girls and I would play them and it really got to be like, my roommates would know if I was home because they would hear it was on in the background, <laughs> you know, like your busy work type of show. I think at that point it became something more to me because it was helping me through a really lonely, really challenging part of life. That I think everyone goes through. So, um, yeah, it just went from there. I remember wanting to do an Etsy shop. Um, in 2016, I was trying to take a little break from acting because I had gotten Lyme disease, like really bad. I got like Mm. several tick-borne diseases at once. And so I had to like book out of my agencies and like pause life. And I don't know how to do that. Now I do, but I didn't know how to do it then. And so I was like, I'm just going to teach myself how to run a digital business Mm -hmm. and an online job. And, And I did like, I, you know, I got the whole thing up and then almost immediately it was like, I am way too sick to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it was something that helped me because I realized I had to actually shelf it. And I would kind of come back once in a while. Like I would try and re like open it, but then I would move to LA or I would reopen it and then I would book something. And then, you know, like it just never really worked out. Mm-hmm. And then something clicked in my brain last year. I realized I could do digital based products mm-hmm. that are just ever- evergreen digital. Yeah. Um, and I don't really have to necessarily be active with it except on social media. And then if I, you know, want to get back into apparel, I can, but, um, that's why I started to create 
the Gilmore Girls bingo and the Gilmore Girls goal guide. And, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to just sit down and write like a 66, 67 page <laughs> book, essentially ebook, but mm-hmm. it just is so ingrained in me after all of these years that to make these products or to sit down and make like planner pages or any of the products is so easy because it's just in me, you know, it's the same reason mm-hmm. I can sit here and talk about it with you guys, because <laughs> once you know a show so well, um, there is a little weird crossover because of my job, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. a professional actor. I work at a really high level. Thank goodness. I've encountered many people <laughs> that work on or were <laughs> part of or were part of the cast um, in the show. I've worked with several of them. And so it is something where I kind of like don't talk about it. Like I <laughs> like it's not, you know, it's not. I was at something I was being hosted at um, something called Christmas Con last um, December and the time before. But this year, Tristan was there. John Michael Murray was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I did have a moment where I was in like walking around, like getting my content that I needed to get for them. And I like saw him and I, I had a minute where I was like, uh, <laughs> I kind of like yeah. fuzzy. And then when um, mm-hmm. he was leaving, I was in the green room. Talk- it's like a lot of Hallmark people, like, you know, think like Hallmark Christmas mm-hmm. stars and 90s mm-hmm. actors. Um, and I was talking with some people and he came over and he was saying goodbye because he was like, leaving for the day and he just automatically like said goodbye to me and leaned in and gave me like a big hug as though like we knew each other and I did have it like in my heart you you would (laughs) never know right like I don't show Mm -hmm. it I'm just like hey nice played it cool yeah like (laughs) as though we know each other already because I don't know if I'll ever work with him I don't know if you know we'll cross paths but in my heart I was like Tristan (laughs) (laughs) um so that's a weird that's a weird element I think most people don't have when they really like a show they don't end up hanging out with and working with and becoming friends with people that were on it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so I always ride that that line of like do I change the shop name like do I do like rom-com stuff with it like do I do more Hallmark products like should I just tell no one that I do this and it's just my side <laughs> income? And, you know, I, I think about it way too much because I never want to come right. off weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, should your two lives merge <laughs> and to what extent? It's yeah. Hannah Montana, basically. Oh, you know, my like small yeah. town Etsy shop. And then I'm flying to LA and I'm, you know, at amazing premieres and hanging out with like major movie mm-hmm. stars. <laughs> Do you view the show any differently rewatching it now with your background in acting from like a production standpoint or even as you watch their acting performances or we've all heard about like the scripts they had and things like that? Do you have any now? Like, do you watch it any differently, I suppose? <laughs> I don't know if I watch it differently. I think once I went to the set, that really changed mm-hmm. for me. Like when I was at the Warner Brothers lot, um, mm-hmm. like I still we'll watch it I'm like I sat on that bench like I was in that gazebo I was at Luke's like it's like my brain almost can't handle it um Mm. and I want to be clear I'm not like this with anything else like (laughs) I legit will just hang out with Chris Evans and I'm cool like there's no like there's nothing that like affects me or phases (laughs) me but except for Gilmore Girls (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um I think reading Lauren's books have affected me because I didn't realize that this was really her first like lead ongoing show and Mm -hmm. how much she's kind of struggled and how to figure out beforehand um I think also knowing like that it was Alexis's like first acting real acting experience um and a lot of people were like that I personally as an actor long for the idea of shooting on the Warner Brother lot and having like a seven season show where you like Mm -hmm. know everyone and you know, you're guaranteeing those contracts and you're wandering around the lot on your breaks and you see other shows shooting. There's there's a part of me that really longs for that kind of 90s into early mm-hmm. 2000s way that the studios were run. And I know mm-hmm. that they were toxic and really not good <laughs> in many ways. But in that way, where like, I don't know, like the WB existed and, <laughs> you know, we all had kind of like our comfort shows and it wasn't taken too seriously. Um I think all of the acting is great. I love watching Melissa McCarthy because she wasn't Melissa McCarthy yet. And she's like a masterclass. Like she is such a masterclass in physical comedy and the way that she uses her props and her body and the turns, the twists. And um, it's really (laughs) interesting to watch her develop as an actress over the course of the seven years and to watch all of them become much more confident, I think, in their performances. For me, it goes back to consistently... Kelly Bishop and Ed Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kelly Bishop's a legend, a Broadway legend. And um, Ed Herman obviously is, was like, the two of them together was such a perfect pairing and they do such brilliant choices, these subtle, tiny choices that I really, really admire. Um, I almost wish they got more screen time (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. it really like gets me that I'll never get to work with Ed Herman, but I'm holding out hope for Kelly Bishop. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I just saw a trailer for a new show she's going to be in. That seemed like an, a spinoff of her role in Mrs. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't remember what the show was. I should really probably check before I talk about it. I know it, what you're talking about, and I also, yeah, I also can't think of it. Is She's like in some sort of, I don't know, mob boss type of role. I don't know if that's really what it is, but it looks good. Good for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, keep working. You know, I think theater-trained mm-hmm. actors um, in general – there's such a weird thing of like, oh, well, if you do theater, like you shouldn't do on camera. No, the training and the ability that you get as a theater actor, if you can do theater, you can do anything, especially musical theater. And again, I'm totally biased because that's my background, <laughs> but you know, it's like unbelievable boot camp. Um, so I think that that really shows in their performances. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We're both big musical lovers (laughs) what so what musicals have Mm -hmm. you been in I guess I didn't I didn't write that in the bio for you you mean you didn't research me (laughs) to all hours of the night why (laughs) sorry (laughs) no you're fine um the big Broadway tour is Fiddler on the Roof oh that's my favorite musical Mm -hmm. it is when did you when were you touring with them that was 2009-2010 I might have seen you did you- <laughs> this has happened on so many pods. I can't even make this up. This happens so much oh on these interviews. Because I went to see Fiddler mm-hmm. on the Roof on like when it came to my university in like 2000. It might have been 2009. Where where was that? University of New Mexico. It might have been a couple years later. Well, we didn't go to like school. Still, yeah. So I don't. Well, think it's it it's wasn't- it's that's just where the the stage is. The just it. It's on the University of New Mexico campus in Albuquerque. I, I don't think it was mm-hmm. us. I think we did Arizona. Like we did Phoenix. And we did all over California and Texas. But I don't think in that area, I don't think we went to New Mexico. Uh, okay. So it was probably the one next, after. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool, though. Mm-hmm. I love that music. Also, you would know, um, have you seen the movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the guy who was in the movie who originated Topol. Yeah. Um, Topol was my tour. Oh, okay. So it was no, he wasn't. So you would know. That, that's yeah. That was like my big, the big bummer. I wanted to see him, but but it's mm-hmm. still great. It's still such a good musical. What part did you play? Mm-hmm. I played Sprinza, the fourth daughter, because I'm really small, oh, and so nice. if you're tiny in theater, you play kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, so she, I played like a twelve year old. It was a dream job because it's still a principal contract. But I just skipped mm-hmm. around on stage for several hours every night and nice. then went and hung out and partied. So, yeah, it was perfect. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I've recently seen TikToks about the princess track, but I haven't heard about like the 12 year old track where, yeah, you get to just skip around a bunch. Sounds good, too. Heck, yeah. Good living. It's really good. I also did my very first like professional job was really that tour, but um I did before that I did Hello Dolly with Sally Struthers so oh, with wow. Bebet. Cool. Um and I played Ermengarde and she obviously played Dolly and they were I want to say had either just finished filming the last season or they had just finished the 6th season. So she did give me like stories and um like Gilmore Girl. I must have liked it enough by then that um I talked about it. And you know when you're really young, I was really young. So I was like 2006. Um, you are not inhibited in any way. You don't have, there's no mm. part of your brain. You don't have that part developed like worry where you are not, 
you don't hold yourself back or want to sound stupid, I think is really what that comes down to. So I'm sure I just was like, let's talk about this. I actually have something literally hanging in front of me in my room that is like a note and a gift from her that she had signed. Oh, nice. um, <laughs> she's great. And then when I was on that Fiddler tour several years later, uh, she came to see it in L.A. And mm. she knew a bunch of people because it's such a small theater community. And I was like all prepped to reintroduce myself. Like, got this. And she like came in and gave me the biggest, like she like swept me up. Like we were best friends, knew exactly who I was. Like, I mean, yeah, the credit was in the playbill. So probably that's why, but it was really, really nice. Um, anytime I've encountered mm-hmm. Sally, she's, she's wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. I wish that she mm-hmm. and Miss Patty got more like duets on the show and just like, cause they have got such a great dynamic duo going on. They needed more, more screen time. <laughs> Yeah. And that's like part of Amy's magic, right? What she creates has a lot to do with theater and has a lot to do with musicals, mm-hmm. has a lot to do with people on stages. And, you know, that's really a gift of hers. So I think she finds those actors that have that background mm-hmm. and bring them out. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I would watch a whole show about just them <laughs> for them when they were young. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> see if I can pitch that. Say less. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I see the musical theater elements so much in Maisel as well. Like with the, just the Bezos bucks, you know, like it really comes through on that show. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And even in the, in the Year in the Life, um, which of course I have mm. feelings on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sutton, you know, coming in to do the, the show and how they worked that in. And I actually just finally mm. met Sutton literally two weeks ago. I went to see Funny Girl mm. and I know her mm. husband. Um, I had just been with her husband at the Poker Face premiere, but I've never met her somehow. And so I made an, I mean, a total, probably complete fool myself. I'm not (laughs) sure. I don't know how I came off, but um, I don't think, I don't think I was as elegant as I would like to be, but I have real high hopes for becoming friends with her. That's like (laughs) (laughs) on my list. I think it's going to happen. That's so awesome. Yeah. From, oh my gosh, I'm totally blinking on the name. The ballet show. Bunheads? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Bunheads, and then her and Younger, and of course all of her musical theater productions and whatnot. Shrek, the musical. Oh, Very wow. good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's cool. I'm a Sutton fan as well. Yeah, who isn't? I mean, that's a career I would love to have in terms of like the way she kind of goes back and forth between stage and screen. I think that's definitely something to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a ton of other musicals. To, to finish that question, many, many musicals, yes. many plays. I've done uh, a lot of them. I would love to do a movie of Fiddler. I would love to do a remake. Yeah, that's because um, the movie's from the 90s. Oh, 70s. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. due for a remake. <laughs> that would be Yeah, amazing. and right now that's happening. So it's one of the things mm-hmm. I'm like trying to cautiously pitch to friends who could actually make it happen. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if they would release the rights, but. Um, maybe you never yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that would mm-hmm. be great. <laughs> you know, it's exciting. Well, you know, we are talking about Gilmore Girls, but we are interested in your acting as well. So while we're on the topic, you've been in Knives Out, which was one of my favorite oh, movies <laughs> of the past few years, definitely. Awesome. And I've heard good things about Poker Face, but I haven't been able to see it yet. So. Um, and they're both Brian Johnson, which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, how was your, ex- I mean, it's two things, so it's kind of a big question, but what was your experience like with those pretty like big things? Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, wonderful. I want to do that every day mm-hmm. of my life. Um, very different experiences. <laughs> I think the person who I was in 2018 when we filmed Knives versus who I was by last year versus who I am now, like there's such a rapid amount of growth in that time. Um, I was still very nervous. Um, trying to be cool with knives. Um, they were all very inclusive with me, which they didn't have to be. And we all hung out together in the basement of that house playing games and oh, nice. chatting. And yeah, I mean, Chris taught me the movie game, which I had never played before, where like everyone has to name something in a category. So if it's like, you know, movies with a female name, you know, everyone has to like go around and in a big ah. circle and name stuff. Um, and they would just tell stories and really like a life-changing experience. I think I got to shatter any type of ceiling over me that felt like there's something special or a list, Mm -hmm. you know, stars or something different. They're actually just humans and they have plenty of human things. 
Um, and so having that experience was great. And then when it came out, great. Um, and then um, we went immediately into the pandemic. Oh, and gosh, so, yeah. mm. um, you know, I had the prerequisite like mopey pity party for myself <laughs> until I like snapped out of it. I was like, hello, check yourself. Like you're healthy, you're alive, you have friends and family, like you have a roof over your head. You've already lived your dream. Like, your biggest dream in the whole world has already come true. So checked myself. Um, and in between, I started doing like narrative podcasts. I started doing interview podcasts. I turned my closet to a studio. I recorded a single. I released that. I did press. Like, I just made it work, you know. Um, and then Poker Face, the experience with Poker Face was different because I would say I was more confident. I was more um, uh, present and interacting. I still was a little nervous because it was the first time I was back on a set because of the pandemic, right? So that like long lull, um, I didn't get to do glass because glass onion because of the pandemic. And um, I obviously like wasn't, there wasn't a lot of things that were booking or if they were, they were casting internally, you know, so mm -hmm. um, not in a complaining way at all, um, but in a very real, oh gosh, I'm back on set. I haven't been on set mm -hmm. in a couple of years. Like, do I know how to do this? You know, <laughs> and I think all actors do that where they're like, am I good at this? Like, I do. Um, I have a really awesome um, gift in that I get to learn from and shadow Ryan on set and in regular life. I actually was on the phone with him before I got on this <laughs> call and we were going through notes on something. So um, I'm very, very lucky in that sense. And the learning opportunities, the biggest difference for me was the amount of women on Poker Face. Mm. Women, showrunners, mm. sisters that run the show, um, obviously Natasha, a lot of the execs, um, and the producers and just a lot, way more women. Yeah. And awesome. that was very exciting. Yeah. It was really exciting. And once they understood, not only am I important to Ryan, but I am like smart and capable and I can do this and I have an interest in producing. I have an interest in pitching. I want to develop. I want to sell projects. They took me under their wing very quickly and started teaching me and even like gave me days off. You know, we'd have two days off and the sister showrunners like took me out and basically gave me a mini masterclass of my own. And I've learned the most important thing. And the, really, I think the only difference between people that succeed and don't is asking, mm -hmm. using your mouth mm -hmm. to make the words, <laughs> to say the words that make you want to sweat and pass out and freak out and ask the questions. And people are willing to say yes. Mm -hmm. You know, they're willing to help you. So um, Natasha is a powerhouse. And I learned a lot from just watching how she was. Um, and she would speak her mind and she would ask her what she needed and nothing happened. There was no repercussions. You know, there was no, she didn't have to people please. Like what a gorgeous example right in front of me. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, those were the the two differences. And I think how I handled the premiere and the press and all of the stuff that's gone on with Poker Face, very different than Knives Out. I almost didn't really consider myself at that point. Like I didn't, it's like, I, I didn't feel I was important enough. Now I'm like, I am so important. I'm so <laughs> valuable. I matter. I'm doing this really big thing that's scary and hard. Like, I'm going to celebrate it and make the most out of it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, so cool to see that progression just from a few years, though. I mean, the, the pandemic, I feel like sped up so many like life lessons for a lot of us. So that's great that that has helped you so far. And I hope that it continues to. I can't wait to see what you do next. We'll also be very excited to know somebody involved in things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. And I don't know if you know this, but um, Ricky Lindholm was in Knives Out, who obviously was in Gilmore Girls for the last couple of seasons. She played like one of the Logan friends. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, she had like blonde hair. She was always like eating a peanut yeah. at the bar. Like it was always like one chip or like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, huh. Yeah. I didn't and so, she, yeah, she d obviously didn't know that I liked Gilmore Girl. I think we maybe briefly talked about it. I remember when Ryan was casting, we were like talking about stuff and I was kind of throwing out ideas. And at one point he said, you know, you're essentially just pitching me the entire Gilmore Girls cast. Are you aware of that? <laughs> like I had pitched Matt, I had pitched Lauren. Like I was just like continually mm. pitching Gilmore Girls people. He was mm, like, this suspicious. <laughs> I have, I have a theory, a crossover theory from Gilmore Girls and Knives Out. Which involves what? which oh. involves Chris Evans' famous sweater. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think it's very reminiscent of Taylor Dozy's 
oatmeal cardigan that he wears all the time in Gilmore Girls. I think that, that was a huge inspiration for Chris Evans' sweater mm-hmm. in Knives okay. Out. <laughs> all right. Cool, cool. I will email the costume director and let you know. Um, I love that. I thought you were going to say Rory's sweater. Oh. Um, the big mm-hmm. in the pilot, the giant oversized oh, sweater. Oh, well, yeah, yeah I guess like, that oh, works as well. <laughs> yeah, but I know that's so smart about Taylor that it's like part of his uniform. Love that. That made my whole day. <laughs> I wonder, you know, if they ever did another revival, would you try to be a part of and that? Sever you think, I mean, come on. I went yeah. <laughs> I desperately wanted to be part of when they did the first revival. Um and that was right around when I was in that break from being sick and um mm-hmm. and it was all in LA. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely would. I'm I'm really curious if they will. I think they understand the the audience is there and I think they understand the like desire for it I just don't know where they would go with it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um unless it was a story in a different era if it was you know yeah. once Rory's now you know in her 40s and the kid is like 15 or something um mm-hmm. or Emmeline Richard or any other type of spin-off I think just continuing to pick it up even though we might all want that, I think it would not leave a good taste in any of our mouths. So um, I'd be interested. I mean, it's like, why wouldn't you not capitalize on this (laughs) built-in huge audience? I would love an Um, Emily and Richard, even just like an Emily and Richard rom-com type, like movie about their romance. Mm. That would be so cool. Or I could totally play her. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally true. You know? That'd be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You guys can yeah, meet in Yale and kiss over the trash can. Oh. Well, I guess it was a bench oh at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a hit. Yeah, of course. I would love to do anything that any of them do. I would love, you know, if Lauren keeps selling projects and getting to develop things, I would love to work with her on something. I would love to do anything Amy does. I think I would fit seamlessly into her projects. Um, we just got to get her Fast to... Fast talking brunette. Yeah, That's exactly right. <laughs> I know, with my small town background and my musical theater. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like she'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't make my life based around your shows, I promise. It's just who I actually am. Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Well, I can't promise she'll listen to this podcast episode, but. <laughs> I know she's just a couple degrees away, if that. Like, I know I'm I'm in mm-hmm. the right in the right rooms and with the right people. It's yeah. just a matter of you know when not a matter of if so i will definitely not play right. a pool with her i think there's no way <laughs> no. I'd be yeah able to do that. gotta show the enthusiasm well you know <laughs> she's got the final season of Maisel coming up so the next you know her next thing could align the stars could align <laughs> for you you know we'll put it out into the universe yeah, she's doing it's a dance show <laughs> that she's doing it's, um, oh, oh nice. i remember seeing casting for it um like they were trying mm-hmm. to get some of the like the Juilliard kids and the Fordham kids and like the New York city ballet people to come. So they must be filming whatever it is in New York and it must involve dance. If it got picked up, that was the last thing mm-hmm. I saw that she was doing. And I remember thinking that's the part I can't do. Like <laughs> the dance, not a classical ballerina. So yeah, um, yeah I'm sure she's going to continue to just completely crush it. And uh, I'm excited. I think I'm going to continue to completely crush it and mm-hmm. you guys will. And there'll be lots of exciting things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's yeah. to crushing it, mm-hmm. all of us. <laughs> I That could have been a good end point, but I have to selfishly oh, ask, ask, you know, since you had mentioned meeting actors from Gilmore Girls, I believe you've met Matt Zucre. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us about that? <laughs> because I'm a fan. <laughs> Matt, listen, out of all of them, I for a long time was like, I'm th- I should marry him because here's my basis. We have the same birthday, which uh, is not the same, that, it's not oh, the same year. Mates. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I remember he was working on the show, the CBS show with the lawyers. The Good Wife, which I love. Yes, yeah. My friend Harvey, um, who played my dad in Fiddler once Topol left. So Harvey Firestein stepped in. Um, and he was a recurring character on The Good Wife as like a judge. Mm-hmm. And I legitimately yeah. like wrote him and I was like, Hi, can you set me up with this guy? Like I am love him. I think he'd be great for and he like wrote me back a really funny like thing as though he is my dad like he's not good enough for you mm. and here's why and like not not at all saying anything negative about Matt it was like a fiddler response it was really funny <laughs> um I I remember I was reading his book he like wrote a poetry book along like, a, oh, like, wow. I don't know, with his brother 
I don't think it's something he like ever talks about, but I was in this real like Nazi free like moment, you know? And I remember I was reading that book on my iPad and I had an audition or I had a couple auditions and I went to where those studios were and I went and I sat down next to, oh my gosh, an actor whose name is totally going to escape for me, who you guys would definitely know. He's like a big musical theater turned Brian something, Brian James, Brian James, James Brian. Anyway, um, he's got three <laughs> names and curly hair. You would totally know. Um, and I sat down next to him and I was like, oh my gosh, like I love this guy, I play cool. And then Mad Zipper walked in and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I think it's kind of like manifesting, right? Like I was reading his book. Mm-hmm. I was thinking so much about him. Like all of a sudden there he was in this audition. And he was like, you could tell prepping. Like he was like going over everything. Mm. And I was there for something. There was like a little tiny pony wall, like between us, but we, I could still see him. And it was like where they were sitting versus where, like I was going in for this and he was going in for that. And mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of like, look up, look away, look up, look away. Ooh. Like, you know, and I think he was doing it too. I think he probably was like, oh, this girl probably liked Gilmore Girls. I would imagine is what mm-hmm. he was thinking. Um, and we finished at the same time and we left about the same time. And I was like, oh, like, bye. You know, like in my, I was like never seen again. And I got downstairs and I was like taking out my phone and he suddenly appeared next to me. Like he like must have taken the stairs or, you know, whatever it was. And I looked at him and I couldn't do it. And I walked away. I was like, I just can't, I can't like, because it's unprofessional, you know, and like, you just want to like respect, but we did walk the same way for a long time. And there was a lot of like, you know, like I, I'm sure from his side again was like, is this girl following? <laughs> and it wasn't, we were just going the same way. And so at some point I crossed the street and I was like, I can't. I'm just going to move on. So, yeah, that was the Matt Gray interaction at an audition. Um, <laughs> I do feel confident at some point I'll work with him. He's He works regularly. I think what's so mm-hmm. interesting about him is that he has no social media, really, and, like, mm-hmm. yeah. he's himself, and he seems to be very artistic and, like, sensitive and kind of almost more like the Jess character in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think he's, like, totally dreamy. Like, just <laughs> yeah. beyond dreamy. And it's never, like... Mm-hmm. visibly in relationships like he must keep uh, that to himself yeah so like, there's, Hello. there's always hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's the thing with me though I think a lot of Gilmore fans would be like oh I could totally like marry Matt Zucker. I'm like no I could literally I could end up with him like <laughs> I'm so delusional in that way which is such a gift <laughs> to have in my job that I'm like I'll work with him and we'll fall in love like what what's hard about that we'll have this like a great yeah birthday trip every year <laughs> it's happened, um, happened yeah. to plenty of actors before <laughs> Just get that one part that needs the chemistry, and that's oh it. Oh my gosh, totally! <laughs> yeah, and other than- I was a big. Oh, so sorry. no, no, talk. Oh, it was a silly birthday connection. I have um, another actor who also has musical history background, Darren Chris. Oh, Darren, yeah. His birthday is February fifth, and mine is February sixth. So I was like, we could have a midnight, you know, celebration halfway <laughs> between. But he's married with a child. Yeah, so I know. I know Mia. I met Mia on that Fiddler mm. tour. So I've known Mia since then. Oh, yeah. The world is so yeah. small. It's so small. That's how close. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Like you're that close to Darren Chris, right? So. Oh, I know. <laughs> cool. I know. I love, I love his <laughs> Christmas album. Oh, I've never listened to I it. I got it last I year. Sure. He's got that hippopotamus song, which is great. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's a bop. I yeah. love that song. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely, he's great. I think he's like very talented. Um, so I can totally see that as well. It makes sense. <laughs> cool. I feel like we've talked about so much and Gilmore Girls, but also everything else. So it's great to hear all of the stuff that's going on. <laughs> as we wrap up, just wanted to ask where people can find you, where people can find or where and what people can find on your shop and what's coming up for you. Yes, totally. So um, social media wise, Carrie Francis official. It's Carrie with a K. Francis with an E. I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the show notes. Um, it's very, it's very Googleable mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and that's on TikTok and Instagram. And um, I am currently editing. So I'm in post on my writer director debut um, because not only do I want to obviously keep acting and singing, that's like the forefront for me, but I very much want to produce. I very much want to pitch and sell projects. Um, mm-hmm. And almost in a, a Reese Witherspoon 
Mindy Kaling mm-hmm. type of way. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of adapting books. I especially love like modern day like rom coms and a lot of like YA books. Like I always wanted to adapt Sarah Dessen books, and so the fact that Netflix mm-hmm. did, I was like, I can do this. Like <laughs> I knew that it would make a good movie. Like you know, so um, yeah. So I would love to do that, and then um, I've always been writing. Writing has been like a side job for me, um, or was a side job for me for a long time. And I would just write for other people, like for their blogs or for their businesses or for their about pages or whatever they needed content. Um, and writing, I've always like written on the side, I would write scripts or I'd write parts of novels, or, but I just didn't really believe in myself enough or understand enough how totally doable this is. And um, my dog died actually when I came back from, from mm-hmm. Poker Face. My dog's my best friend in the whole world. Mm-hmm. And um, it did not go well <laughs> emotionally, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. but um I sat down and I wrote something that had to do with, you know, what if, what if it wasn't a dog? What if it was my husband? What if it was my kid? Like what, what's the difference in response from people? And, um, you know, what happens to people when they're in that kind of, is that a cat? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You're totally fine. I was like, what in the heck (laughs) is that a bummer? (laughs) They, they just always, always join recording. Yeah. They always do. So cute. (laughs) Um, anyway, so I wrote a script and, uh, we made Mm -hmm. it and, um, I wrote it, I directed it, I produced it, I starred in it, cast it. We wound up having to use my house last minute, the house we were using, the family got COVID and like literally like six days out from shoot. Um, I had to replace the baby because the baby was part of the house. Um, it was like (laughs) a whole thing. And I think it was great. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I loved it. I loved the experience. So, um, I'm in post on that, which is why I was on the phone with Ryan. We were doing notes on uh, what he thought at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And the plan is to use that to hopefully start to produce at that higher level um, and continue to book awesome acting jobs and uh, and release more songs. That would be ideal. I really want to put Christmas songs into the Hallmark mm-hmm. movies. So circling that. Mm-hmm. Um and a million other things. And then with my <laughs> shop, it is the Stars Hollow Shop on TikTok and Instagram. Um, the TikTok is very exciting and very fun. Um, I had two videos go viral in the last two weeks, like very viral, nice. which is crazy. <laughs> weird feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And you can get any of those things on the Etsy shop or, um, yeah, just Etsy for right now. I might eventually relocate it, but that's where you can get it. And it's got a five-star rating. Highly wreck. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I should send you guys something. I don't know if there's anything that like speaks to you as Gilmore fans or um, once we're done recording, if you have any thoughts, you're like, I love this product. I hate this product. <laughs> Let me know because you're a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been a blast. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.